You're listening to episode 32. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really, I am the number one student. So Get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals Podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. Davis Mutabo here, your host. I'm very excited today to bring you our feature guest, Mr. Bill McAllister. Bill, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? Absolutely. Can't wait. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, Bill, thank you for coming on. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Bill owns a company called Top Dog Direct. Um, But what he's been doing for many, many years now is uh, as seen on TV stuff, which is also known as direct response television, which kind of includes all forms of um, direct response television exposure, on-air talent selection, um, and they even do product manufacturing. So so I'm very excited. Um, Bill, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, Before we get started, into your story maybe just take 30 seconds and tell us who is a bill outside of business who am i outside of business well i'm a family man um i've got four children i spend a lot of time with my kids um i was um i played minor league baseball so i've spent a lot of time coaching little league 12 years actually coaching little league and very involved with with little league as well as softball for my girls so i have two boys and two girls and um, they're now older. Um, one of them has graduated from college and is working in New York, and the other, the other three are either in college or in high school. So I spend a lot of time going to the colleges, which I love, and my youngest is a very good basketball player, so I spend time going to his games. Uh-huh. Uh, any of them are thinking of doing business? Do you know? No, I think they're, um, one of them is in pu- public relations, um, works for a very large PR company in New York City, uh, the other one I, is going to be working with Verizon, um, and my daughter just started University of Alabama, um, so she's just beginning, but I think she wants to be a teacher, and my youngest doesn't know, he's, he's only 16, so he has a ways to go. Fantastic. Well, that's great. Um, one of the first questions I ask my guests is, um, um, how long have you been in full-time business for yourself? Well, I've never worked for anybody else. Um, I've owned businesses since I was seven years old. My first business, I was an Air Force brat, and my first business that uh, I started was mowing other people's lawns. Um, and then, depending on where we moved to, I also um, you know, plowed or <laughs> shoveled driveways for snow. So those were my first two businesses. And, um, then in high school, I started a painting company, put myself through college and then um, I started an importing company um, and um, then after that um, I started this company so 
it's an interesting transition from from one to the other and the fact that um, because of the importing company, I got, got a phone call from a very small company that only had three employees, um, and I brought them overseas, and um, that name of that company was QVC. So I was the first, com- first person to ever import a product for QVC, the home shopping channel, um, and also the, very fir- also the very first guest for QVC. So for the first five years of my company, I imported all, um, all non-jewelry, non-clothing items, and I went on the air with all of those items. So that's how I learned the direct response business. As my dad says, better, better lucky than good sometimes. I was in the right spot at the right time, and um, that's how I learned this business because not only did I import the product and know the product inside and out, but I had to come up with a script and sell it on television. Um, then it took five years of that and then started this direct response business. So they really, because of QVC, I mean, they, they basically, you know, I learned by, by basically doing, making mistakes and, you know, getting better as I went on the air. So I think I was on the air a little over 3,000 appearances, and um, then, I started this, then I started this company. That is a lot of appearances in five years. But it's a lot of, you know, basically I would come back, I would import the items, and I'd come back in and... Um, you know, well, you know, and uh, I would go on the air sometimes for five days in a row. Um, you know, then I turn around and go back to the Orient and keep on doing and doing. And they, they were the fastest company in the United States to go from zero to a billion dollars. And my company got so big that they actually bought my company, QVC, which helped, you know, leap leap me into this business, which was great because I had money. Not only did I have the knowledge, but they gave me a, a, a pretty good deal because my business had grown to almost $100 million uh, with them. So, so, so talk me through that just in more detail. So you, start, you set up your own business, the importing business. Is the one that they bought? Yeah. They, well, they, they, almost everything in the beginning, not almost everything, everything in the beginning that they, they when they went on air was imported. And I was the exclusive importer for five years for non-jewelry and non-clothing items. So everything you saw in QVC for the first five years that wasn't jewelry or clothing was something I imported for them. And the business went, I mean, my business with them went from zero to almost a hundred million in five years. So I became almost 10, I became almost 10% of their, of their business. Um, and then they bought me out. Giving me, um, yeah, I mean, remember, I was importing it, so the importing margins are very slim. <clears throat> it sounds like a lot, but it wasn't a lot. But um, I, my buyout was very fair, and it gave me the opportunity to start this business. So, and we're the only direct response. We are the only direct response company. I can tell you for thirty years that has made money every single month for thirty years. <laughs> That's 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 phenomenal. That's phenomenal. How do you th- how how big do you think QVC is today? Do you have any numbers on that? I think they're around four billion. Amazing. That's huge. So it it still drives um, a lot of the television product success. Do you think? Well, I think it's. You know, I can tell you what's going on here in the states, and it's probably the same everywhere. The young millennials um, are not watching television. As a matter of fact. They're watching whatever they're watching. They're watching it on their phone or their iPad. Um, they don't even the cable business is pretty much done for anyone under thirty. Um, a lot of these young kids, like my daughter, doesn't even have cable. She uses the internet only. So 
um, uh, is QVC's business is not good, neither is home shopping, um, because the younger consumer's not buying. Uh, whatever they're buying now, they're buying from Amazon. Now, I don't even know where to start because I've got so many, so many questions. Um, in the beginning, right, when you, when you were launching the import business, um, how did you know to stick with it? Did you have cash flow straight away? Um, was there, were there any tough moments? Yeah, well, there's always tough moments when you start a company. Um, I just happened to, when I started my first, when I started the importing business before QVC, I was up in Boston and I had, uh, I was lucky enough to get a couple of accounts to import. So CVS Drug, which is a huge company here um, in the States, back when I started, you know, 30 years ago or 35 years ago, whatever it was, um, they were my first account and they were growing as well. And um, I did all their premium business. So I was, I was lucky enough to have somebody right away. So straight away, I had a client making me money. So, you know, so I, I, I just, you really, when you start, you only need one. So I, I concentrated on one. And I built that business up. And because of that, um, one of the first three employees at QVC um, was hired by QVC, unbeknownst to me at the time. And they recommended me to the owner of QVC and that's how I got the chance to, to go to Westchester, Pennsylvania, which is now, which is the reason why I moved to Pennsylvania because that became my whole business. But, um, as far as starting the business, I was lucky enough to have an account and my recommendation, anyone who's out there, you know, try to do one thing and do it very, very well. And that's what, that's one thing that I learned straight out. And, so I, I stuck with one, and I stuck with one thing, and I and I did it very very well. So, um, and because of that, I was lucky enough to get QVC, and that's what happens in business. You know, if you do something and you do it well, people are going to recommend you to other people. Um, and you know, that's that's the first thing when people ask me, what what would I recommend um, to people starting out of business is. Whatever you do, concentrate on one thing and do it very, very, do it better than anyone else. I love that. Um, I want to ask you, why importing? Um, how did that idea come about? And how did you acquire that first customer, the drug business? The idea came about because someone I knew who was in that business, I, I, you know, I just happened to be cut. I was playing minor league baseball. Um, I got cut from that and I needed something to do. Um, somebody I knew was in the importing business, um, but importing steel and concrete and, you know, other things like that and exporting concrete. And, um, so I got into it strictly because they, a friend of mine was already in it and he had a few contacts of, uh, people that I could use to source products from. And, um, I had a couple of contacts of people that were just starting at CVS. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things you can't just start a business without having a game plan. So I sat down and wrote a business plan and my business plan was, let's, you know, I knew these people from CVS, let's use them. Um, and let's start importing products for CVS. And that was my game plan. And that's, I, I executed it perfectly. And, um, I didn't, I never looked in the rearview mirror after that. So were there a lot of, there's a lot of bumps in the road, but, um, you know, in the beginning it was just, I had my blinders on and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that's what I did. Now you've, you've, you've dealt with a lot of, um, manufacturers over the last 30 years. Uh, and you know, there's, 
you said you were importing back then even 30 years ago and I think it's probably become bigger, the import market. Um, how do you go about finding a manufacturer today and suppliers, especially offshore? Well, in the, in the meantime, um, I'm dealing with a company that um, is the largest, um, they have the most offices, let's put it this way, in the Orient, um, which is where I manufacture almost all of my products. And unfortunately, the U.S. is just not competitive at this point in time. But I manufacture almost everything over there, and I have a company over there that they have 23 offices throughout the Orient. And um, I've been using them exclusively for almost 15 years. And um, so now I, I don't own an import company anymore. Now I, I use somebody else because it's, as I said, once you find what you want to do, you need to do it best and, and concentrate on that. So I stopped importing. Um, and when I started this company and let somebody else do it because it was taking too much time because um, it's a very detailed business. And I, I wanted to concentrate on putting products on television and selling products on, t- on television, which, and there was more money in that as well. Importing products is very thin margins. So you need to import a lot of something in order to make money. So I use another company out there. Um, they're called Base4, B-A-S-E, 4, the number 4. And they're the best importers into the United States, not, bar none. There's no, no, one even, no one better than them. They help me develop the products, and so that's, that's what I'm doing now. I concentrate exclusively just on putting, finding products and putting them on television and making them work on TV. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, how are you growing your business today? Well, our business doesn't, it's unique business and it doesn't grow. Your business doesn't grow. You need items. So, you know, if I have a, let's say I have a, um, an exercise piece that's a hundred dollars. Well, my business that year may be a hundred million. Um, the, the next year, let's say I have a product that's 1999. I may sell 10 million of those, but my margins are, you know, have gone from a hundred bucks to 20 bucks. So I don't, I don't worry about growing the business because you can't in this world. You have to f- grow, worry about finding the next item. So our business is strictly driven. It's totally unique business. It's strictly driven on items. And the you know, items that sell on television, it's rare to get a $100 exercise piece. So there are a few of them out there. But most products that in my world are at $20. So I'm between 50 and 70 million every single year. Sometimes I, I've hit 100 million a few times, um, but only because of, I had high ticket items. So it's unique. I don't worry about being 200 million or 400 million. I just worry about making money and being pro- profitable at whatever I'm bringing in, and the rest of it finds itself. You know, if you if you're worried about growing your business in this day and age, it's very difficult to grow a business. To be, you know, unless you have something very unique and a single item, my products only last about a year to maybe two years, and then they they die out, they phase out because I sell a lot of them very quickly, and then you know some of them stay and stay in the shelves. But for the most part, my 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 products are done after two years, so I'm constantly looking. So it's like the stock market; you're constantly looking for the next stock, while I'm constantly looking for the next item. So there's no two, never mind two days alike, there's no two hours alike in our business. So it's exciting, it's it's nonstop, but you know, you blink and you know, you're out of you're out of business. So you gotta you gotta keep your, your eye on the 
on your pocketbook, but at the same time looking for the next item. Right. What, what would you say is the structure of your revenue right now? Is it just um, manufacturing or yeah, you're doing consulting or what, what, what's, how is it? No, 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 we don't consult. We, we, we actually find products from inventors and we, we actually, you know, produce the, the product through, you know, pay for the tooling, the molds, and we buy airtime. And we, you know, which we don't make money on television, but we use TV as an advertising vehicle to sell the products at Walmart, Target, CVS, Bath and Beyond, Walgreens, the big box stores. And we we also have an internet division um, called As Seen on the Internet um, that is very profitable. And so we, we, we also do products just on the internet. So my, my streams of revenue are from retailers for the most part and from um, selling products on the internet, which is becoming an extremely profitable business. Okay, very good. Now, just walk me through, and we don't have a lot of time, but just walk me through the steps uh, in general when an, uh, from an inventor to it being in a, in a Walmart through you. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long process. <laughs> so inventors never have a product done. Inventors have an idea uh, for the most part. And so I take that idea and I, you know, I have engineers that I pay to, to get me CAD CAM drawings. And then I'll give you a perfect example, a product called Fuzuki. Um, mm-hmm. That product that we just launched, we got the product. It was just an idea on a piece of paper. Um, it took me 90 days to take that and actually make a mold. Um, and then from the mold, we actually did a television commercial, which, you know, takes anywhere from 30 to 45 days. Um, and from, from there, we tested it on television with $25,000 worth of media. Um, and, you know, if it works, then we, we, we go to the retailers and say we have a product on television working, um, which we, ju- we just did. So for the, from start to finish, from Fuzuki start to actually shipping Walmart, which we will do at the end of December, uh, was about seven and a half months. Okay. And about $150,000. All right. So it's a good chunk of change. So you better be right more than you're wrong, or you're out of business really quick. And how many products are you doing a year? 14 to 20. And that's out of how many do you actually do review? And maybe, maybe, maybe three, maybe three or, work, three or four will work. Um, how many would you see in a year? Oh, thousands. Sometimes, sometimes tens of thousands. That's what we spend most, we spend most of our time looking for the next item. And are you using software or you got a team or just you? No, no, no. We have, I have a, there's three of us, um, myself, Jackie and Steve. Um, that's our team. And, um, we have a constant uh, flow of products coming to us from different sources. Um, we're out there looking constantly as well on Kickstarter and, um, and throughout the internet and, um, and Amazon. And we're, you know, we also use QVC and home shopping, um, and products that are on there. And so we're constantly looking, I mean, constantly looking for the next item. I mean, uh, if, if you took a 10 hour day, which is what I normally work, probably six hours of the day are, are spent looking for the next item. That's incredible. And, and obviously you've been doing this for so long that you know that it's worth it. And that's how it, that's just your, your funnel, right? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I have a, listen, if you, if you look at what I'm doing and let's say four out of, out of let's say 15 that we test work, my competitors are doing a hundred and maybe one of them works. So our, our success ratio is much better than the industry because 
I've been doing it for so long, and I have that QVC background of doing nothing else other than that for five years. So it's ingrained into my head. I, I know I can tell you with a very good possibility whether or not something will or will not sell on television. It's rare that my products, even when they don't work, it's rare that they um, bomb. Most of them are close to working. Um, I, and just because I've, there's very few people, maybe one or two other people in our whole industry that can pick products the way I can. That's just a knack that I have. And, you know, I'm lucky, I'm lucky to have it. It's, it's the one, the one skill in life, Davis, that I have. Um, and I'm glad I have it because otherwise I don't know what I would do for a living. That's incredible. And, and congratulations for discovering that, you know, um, Bill, I want to ask you this. There's people out there in your, um, Nick of the Woods, who are charging to get your product onto television or onto the home channel, etc. But you don't charge. You essentially create um, a partnership deal. I'm assuming for with the inventor. Um, have you? Why don't you charge for for putting a product on TV and do it that way r- rather than this way? Well, I think people that charge inventors should be put in jail. To be honest with you. They're criminals. They're professional criminals because the the companies that you're referring to, none of them ever. There hasn't one of those companies that has ever gotten any of those people any money ever. So they, they give a bad name to our business. The reason why I don't is because the inventors, almost every one of them, have spent their entire fortune or whatever they have um, uh, on getting this product to market. So. Um, to me, what we do is it is a partnership, and they they're they're part of it every step of the way. They're part of the process of me picking a name. They're part of the design process. They're part of um, when we shoot the commercial. We always have the inventor of the product there, um, and and when we're writing the script, we have the inventor go through it and give us because the inventor has forgotten more than we'll ever know about the product. So we we lean on them heavily. And, you know, every step of the way, whatever we do, there's some products that the last two years, some products, I've got one product, Sobacala Pillow, that's been around for 20 years. It's still selling, you know, a couple, 3,000 pieces a week. So, you know, to me, it's a partnership and I'm glad to have that inventor and, and happy to take, you know, listen, the inventor's taking a chance to bring it to me and I'm taking a chance that it's going to work. So, yeah. I was going to ask you, give, give, give me a story that you've really loved of a product that you've worked with. Um, just um, a case study that, like the pillow one, I've heard you share this before on other platforms, so maybe you can share with us that story. Well, the pillow, the pillow is a great story, and a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Watanabe came to me, and, and you know, I, I would, would have these little, I'd go from state to state looking for the next product going back 20 years ago. And this gentleman, this little oriental gentleman, Dr. Watanabe, came up to me, could barely speak a word of English. And um, he had this pillow, like half the size of a normal standard pillow. And it was full of buckwheat holes. And I just said, what is in here? Being a bead? Sand? What the hell is it? No, it's buckwheat. And I said, buckwheat? So he, he brought me through the evolution of pillows in the world, pillows started back, you know, in royalty, you know, Chinese royalty, they would sleep on porcelain, um, porcelain pillows. They would actually make them out of porcelain. Then it, then it went from there to pebbles that, that they would get, you know, in rivers. Um, I'm, I'm talking about royalty now. And then it was buckwheat hulls and buckwheat hulls 
very interesting, only grown in, in Mongolia, China, for the most part, in a big way. Um, and they use the grout for um, buckwheat flour. So this is a byproduct of, of buckwheat flour. And for the past 350 years now, the almost 90% of the Oriental population only sleep on buckwheat hull pillows. And it's pretty interesting because it does three things that no other pillow does. It cools your head down. There isn't any other pillow in the world that actually cools your head down naturally. Um, it, it actually adjusts to, to your neck where every other pillow is just made for everyone's neck. Um, and it's actually built, the, the actual product, the buckwheat hulls, get stronger as they get older because they absorb moisture around it. So it's a very unique pillow. And I got to tell you, you know, it's, it's become a, a, a really interesting thing here because we've sold 22 million pillows now. Um, and we are the number one best-selling pillow in the history of the United States. And bringing it here was not easy because I went to the largest manufacturer, Louisville Bedding, um, and showed them the pillow after we had tested it. And we knew it was going to be a monster success. And they said, you'll, you'll sell 50000 and then you'll be out of business. So after I sold my first um, $4 million <laughs> and it became a monster item, I sent this big plaque to Louisville Bedding with, um, with this thing. And it's a quote from a pretty woman. Big mistake, huge, <laughs> and with four million sold. And, and by the way, the president of, of um, Louisville Betting still has the plaque in his office. Really, really, wow! That's a, that's an incredible story. What about some failures? Well, before I ask you about failures, what are the key ingredients to a product succeeding in in your channel for TV and then putting it into the big retail? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's got to solve a problem. Um, it has to hit a price point. Um, and it has to be demonstrable. Those are the three things. If it hits all uh, on all three of those things, it's going to be a. It's probably going to be a success. So, it's got to be demonstrable. It's got to hit a price point. Um, it's got to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. When you say demonstrable, what do you mean? You got to be able to see it. Something happening. So you have to be able to demonstrate it. You know, things on television, people like seeing things happen. So. You know, they, you, you got to be able to, there's got to be a wow factor. Most of the commercials, if you watch the infomercials that are on TV, um, have a wow factor. There's one thing that that product does that people said, wow, I need to have that product. Do you know the one that's stuck in my head for forever and ever is, is called Sham Wow? I don't know whether you've had it. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's an interesting character, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what you kind of you did for five years at QVC. Do you still do that? I do it every once in a while. I don't like doing it. it you know, when you do it for five years, like literally sometimes, you know, four, six hours at a time, you, you really you get burned out. It's just, to me, it's not fun anymore. I hire other people to do it. Mm. Um, what about the internet space that you talked about that is growing? What, how, did, how does that look like and how does that compare with TV or differ? Well, it's, it's interesting because we have a product called Spray Perfect, which is a spray-on nail polish, um, and we it's it's pretty. Yeah, it took the internet by storm about eight months ago. We we put it on a fa- we we just set up a Facebook page and we got to three hundred million hits within a month. Um, and so mo- so many hits, the Facebook themselves flew out to see us um, and wanted to do a case study on why and how we got so many hits. Um, that didn't translate, however, to it working, uh, uh, I mean, selling at retail. We sold a lot of them on the internet 
but we did not sell them at retail because the consumer buying them on the internet was under 35. And getting back to my point that I made before, these people don't, they don't shop at Walmart. These younger kids, these millennials, they don't shop at Walmart or Target or anywhere else. Um, they shop at Amazon and they don't watch TV and they don't shop at Walmart or Target or anywhere else. And they buy almost everything exclusively from Amazon. So it sold more on the internet uh, through through the through Facebook than it did at retail, almost almost ten to one. It was crazy. It went went through the roof. I mean, I still to this day we have almost four hundred million hits on our Facebook wow. page. And so, how have you then evolved that and grown, leveraged that? Well, we the product didn't do well at retail, so we're going to, we're continuing selling it on the internet, which is very profitable. It's just the product did not pull through because that consumer is not shopping at any of the stores. Or the malls or anywhere. So the volume is different. If you had gone to retail, you, you, you'd have done more volume or, or not? Would you? Well, no, I wouldn't have because that consumers, the consumer that bought that product was the millennial. So what we learned was let's continue to sell. So we opened our business up at Amazon with that. It's doing well on Amazon. It's doing well on the Internet. It's just not a retail item. So it's a different revenue stream for us. And in five years, that will be, quite frankly... As, as the consumer gets older, the older consumer right now is still buying on television, still shopping at Walmart. The younger consumer's not. So in the next five to 10 years, it's going to be dramatic switch to everything selling on the internet. Hey, Bill, you, you talk about um, researching um, a good product, doing your due diligence. Can you just talk me through what that looks like today? Due diligence. Well, due diligence for, for us is legal. So... The first thing you have to do is really, the great part about, and I tell this to young inventors, the great part about, or anyone starting a business, use the internet. It's the best tool in the world. You know, if I had that when I was starting, I honestly would have, I would have killed it because, you know, I didn't have any of that. Um, The internet's such a great tool. So if you're out there and you want to start a business, use the internet, research whatever your business that you want to be and use the internet. But for, for us, the number one thing we have to worry about is legal because everyone in, in the United States is extremely litigious. So we have to, we spend a lot of time with our legal team, especially if it's an item that you're, you're making claims on. So our due diligence, a lot of our due diligence is one, make sure there's no other items like it out there that are patented. So that's the first thing that we look at. Um, and if it is, we don't touch it. Um, we don't knock other people off, unlike other people in our industry. Um, um, and then if, if there's no other products like that out there, then we go to our legal team. With, we send them the item. What can we and can't we say based on this item? And they come back to us, and then we go ahead and do the script. But for us, it's a more, more legal diligence than anything else because of the fact that you get something and people are out there looking to sue because it's an easy buck in the United States, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ideas that you knock back regularly? Well, everything goes in cycles. Um, you know, right now, there was a, in the United States, there was this hose that was huge in, you know, in our, our world. So things in home and garden were big for a year or two. Then sometimes exercise becomes big. Um, generally speaking, exercise is huge at Christmas, January, February, March, because everyone has New Year's res- resolutions. But, you know, for, for us, what, we looking for, what we're looking for now is anything to do with pain and pain relief. 
Um, so a lot of our products, if you go to our website, have something to do with pain or pain relief. And um, because that's the consumer that's watching TV and that's the consumer that's shopping. So those are the ideas that we're kicking back in our Fuzuki product is a you know, pain relief product. So uh, our, our Be Active was a pain relief product. Tag Away was a product that had to do with skin tags and relieving that pain. So those have been our big, big three items over the past three years. And I think it's a trend that is going to continue because our, the consumer is living longer. Um, the consumer that, that's our consumer for a TV is living longer. And unfortunately, in the United States, you know, 75 or 80% of the U.S. population is overweight. So with, with that comes diabetes, unfortunately. And, you know, so pain relief products are, are, are going to be, I think, going over the next five to 10 years are going to be, continue to be very successful on television. Um, Bill, we talk about fear of failure quite a bit in business as entrepreneurs. Um, and I heard you share how you approach some some of the aspects of your failure um, using a baseball batting average analogy. Can you, can you talk about that? Well, it's like, it's like anything else. You know, if, if you're listening in, in, in baseball, if you strike out seven out of 10 times and you get three hits out of, out of 10 times and you strike out seven, you, you would think, Hey, that's not good, but you're in the hall of fame. Um, cause you're hitting 300. If you hit 300, you're in the hall of fame. It's the same with anything in life, you know, um, you're gonna you're gonna fail more than you're gonna succeed, but the people that make it, in, in, at least in the United States, and people I know that are very successful, just they they stick to it. Um, you know, you've got to put blinders on and not listen to anybody else and do what you, do what you do. And um, you know, listen uh, for for us. Uh, you know, I I'm out there and I'm I'm very straightforward. If you ask me a question, I tell you the answer you may not like the answer but i'm going to tell you the answer so that's kind of how i've lived my life um you know i put my blinders on and go down life's highway and i you know i i don't stop and i don't listen to anyone else because i i you know i know what i want and i know how to get there and that's what i do um did you have a big low moment of failure during the last sort of 25 30 years of business yeah, we had a um, you know we had a situation with a big account um, that went Chapter Eleven, and it was twelve million dollars of money that was due to me and my business partner. Um, and you know it was a lot of money at the time. Um, it's a lot of money no matter what, but it was you know they they unfortunately took our money and used it for a different product, and then that product went, it didn't work, and they went out of business. So. We sued them and we won, but we we didn't win too much, you know. You win, but you win, but you lose. The only one who won in that that lawsuit was the attorneys. But yeah, and you have to, you know, listen. There's two things I could have done. I could have quit. I could have, you know, just said that's it. I'm done with this business. You know, because we were all. I, I built a very large house, anticipating six million dollars, which was supposed to come in sixty to ninety days, and it didn't come. Um, so. You know, and instead of me, you know, crying in my soup, I just said, that's it. And, put, you know, go back out there and get, you know, keep on going. So that's what, it, that's what I did. Um, and, you know, I figured out a way to pay for the house. And, uh, you know, I wound up making, you know, that money back times, you know, 50, quite frankly. So since that happened. So, um, and, you know, it, either 
you know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, as the saying goes. So now, now it wouldn't bother. If it happened tomorrow, I would, I would know how to handle it. Back then, I didn't know how to handle it. So I did the right thing, and I just kept my head down, as I, I'll keep saying time and time again, put my blinders on and just, you know, concentrate on the goal, you know? Yeah. How would you handle it today? I, it wouldn't even be a blip for me. Um, you know, back then it was life, life threatening to be honest with you. I thought it was anyway. Now it wouldn't even be a blip. Now it would be, I wouldn't even, you know, what, what I would do now back then when you, you know, you're, you're due $6 million and you know, you're getting, at least think, you know, you're getting it in two months. It's, you know, what am I going to do with 6 million? Okay. 3 million, 3 million of it goes to the government, but I get 3 million in my pocket. Well, this is you know, 15, 17 years ago. That's a lot of money for anybody. Um, but now I just I wouldn't anticipate having it, and I, I only I only know I have it when I put it in the bank and the check cashes. So I guess that's how I would handle it differently this year. Yeah, um, that's good. What, what, what was your biggest breakthrough moment in your business? Was there ever a moment, or was it always just gradual growth? No, it's, it's like I said. It's it's interesting. It's like, like the stock market. You you know, it, on QVC, for example, when you when you get a chance to look at a computer when your product goes on television, and the computer tells you what people are calling in. So it's like a it's like a drug. So when you see a thousand or two thousand people on the line for your product, you're just you you have no idea how great that feels because you're you're literally making money while you're watching this computer click off the orders that are coming in. Um, so there wasn't one single moment, but there's been products, you know, our, our business is product driven. So, um, there's been products out there that have, have driven, you know, my business and business success, but it, there isn't one single moment. I want to switch a little bit and talk about, um, how you, I guess you govern your, your life and some of the philosophies that you follow. Um, so I want to ask you, how do you rank the following, if at all? Faith, fun, family, finances, friendships. I didn't hear. I just said that again. Faith. What was it? Faith, fun, family, finances, friendships. Well, for me, um, I don't. I'm not a big believer in religion, so that's not there. But family and 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 fun. My, my business is really not a business. It's part of what, who I am. So I, I I don't wake up and have to be at the office at nine o'clock in the morning. So my, my family and, and fun are, and business are all the same. So I've figured out a way over 30 years to, to make sure that my family comes first. Um, at the same time, you know, my phone is on and, you know, I'm doing business constantly 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, but it's, it's not, it's not, for me, it's not work. It's just part of who I am. Yeah. Um, what about giving us a 30 second look into a day in your life when you started your business versus, um, a day in your life today? Wow. Well, I can tell you a day in my life when I started my business, um, I didn't have any furniture in my house. Um, I I had a fax machine and the fax machine was totally different than it is now. The fax machine came out on rolls of paper and didn't cut itself off. Um, but I would wake up early, you know, I say early five o'clock. Um, I would work out every single day, which I still do. Um, and then I would hit my office back then at six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. And, um, I was constantly on the phone. I was nonstop. If you saw my phone, my ear at the end of the day, because back then there was no cell phones, people, people listening to this probably have no idea what that, 
even entails. There was no cell phones, and the fax machine had just come out literally that year. So I was on those phones that, you know, a regular phone, not a cell phone, and my ear was pink by the end of the day. So I just constantly, I didn't stop just looking for, you know, in the beginning when I first started the, the import business, you know, working with QVC, trying to get products done, and then working with the Orient um, when I was lucky enough to get um, CVS, I'm sorry, when I was lucky enough to get CVS, constantly dealing with the Orient on the phone. My cell phone, I'm sorry, my business phone every month was over $1,000 because back then it was not, it was not cheap to call the Orient. Um, but uh, that's, that was my day, nonstop on the phone, dealing with uh, CVS drug and, and the Orient. Um, now my day, I wake up a lot later. <laughs> I still work out in the morning, but, um, you know, I drive, I used to drive my kids to school and pick them up. Um, that became part of my day. Now, now I don't because they're my, my oldest, my oldest is out and my youngest could drive. So, but, um, my day now is totally different, much more laid back. I, I let my people here in the office do their thing and, you know, I'm, I'm really more now worried about getting the next item. So totally different then versus now, but, but technology, there was no computers back then. People have to understand that we didn't have computers. I mean, there were computers, but not like they are now. There was no internet. There was no emails. So you, when you did business, it was a much. It took you a lot longer to, to get something done. Yeah, but um, you, you still managed to to make it happen, right? Which is um, so no excuse for anybody. Oh yeah, it just it was just a slow, much slower process, you know. Um, what about mentors? Do you invest in mentors? Um, and if so, why? What do you mean invest in mentors? Um, do you spend money on I don't know? people to to help you do different things within your business or within your personal life from a mentorship perspective no 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 i mean i have a pretty good idea of you know and and i've stuck to the same plan you know for 30 years so um uh, you know people have asked me to be consultants to their businesses i wouldn't be very good i wouldn't be very good at that because my business is very specific and i'm very good at what i do but I don't, I don't believe I could help anyone else start their own business because what I did is totally unique. And I just happened to be, like I said, the right place at the right time. And that, that, that QVC thing literally launched my, my, my business. Without that, I wouldn't have this. So, um, When it comes to books, I don't know whether you're much of a reader or not, but um, would you recommend any two books that you think are great reads for, for entrepreneurs well, I'm di- I'm dyslexic, pretty bad actually. Um, I'm left-handed and dyslexic, um, which if you ever look into left-handed dyslexic people, generally they're very good athletes, which is kind of weird. Um, but I have a very difficult time, even to this day, reading a book. So I, I hate to tell you, I've never actually read a book, other than children's books to my kids. Um, I've never read a book because I can't, it would take, if you, let's say it took you 10 hours to read a book, it would take me 50 hours to read a book. And it's not enjoyable to me because I can't retain it. So I'm very good at math because of that. Um, extremely good at math. Um, I scored almost perfect SAT scores in the math part. 
Um, but the other part <laughs> was horrendous. So. so, so what have you done for 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 that kind of personal development over your business career? Just audio or tapes or what? No. No, no, I just do what I do. I, I, business, a lot of business, most of business is numbers. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, business, as long as you can make money at the end of the day, that's what business is about. Um, so the other part of it, reading a book to me, I didn't really need to read a book. I got through college, um, barely, but I got through it. And, um, after that, I mean, I'm, listen, I'm, anybody who, who knows this dyslexic, it's it's a difficult, I'm, I'm severely dyslexic. So to the point where if you read, if you look at a People magazine, I still take a People magazine and put it on its back and read read it backwards. In other words, go, go from the back to the front. So, but it's been to me, you know, it's not a challenge at all because, the, you know, I'm so good at math that it just helps my, my business because I can tell you within 10 seconds of looking at a spreadsheet whether it's right or wrong. <laughs> that's good. That's right. That's all you need in business. Um, that's good. Um, how do people get in touch with you and um, how do you recommend if somebody has, has listeners and they're thinking, gee, I've got a couple of ideas. I want to run past them. What do they do? Yeah, we, the great part about us is it's topdogdirect.com. And, you know, you just submit it. You can submit it or call Jackie. Um, but submit it online if you want, and we get back to you generally within 24 to 48 hours. So, listen, if we don't find the next item, Davis, we're out of business. So we we love entrepreneurs. We love people with ideas um, because that is our business. That that fuels us to go on another day. Um, so we love hearing from people, even even if it's just an idea. Well, you know, but I I would caution the people out there: please use the internet. Because ninety percent of the people that send stuff to us, um, it's already out there. Um, it only takes you five seconds to, to go into Google, and you can just type in whatever your idea is, and it'll tell you whether or not it's out there. And the internet's a great tool for uh, entrepreneurs and inventors. A great tool, and very inexpensive to look up, you know, trademarks and patents. You know, it doesn't take literally. I can tell you in ten seconds whether your product already patented. So. Now that's great. Um, now before I ask uh, my last question, Bill, I just wanted to thank you for for your time and for coming onto this show, uh, for all the work that you have, yeah, for all the work that you have done in the in the marketplace and all the the inventors' lives that you have changed for just you know pouring out your your investment and your wisdom to to help them accelerate the some things that maybe might not have seen the light of day. So appreciate for all the work you've done. Um, I get, I get more, I get more out of it than the inventors. It makes me more, more happy. I think than, than, than they could possibly be by helping people that are inventors and helping them make money. It's, it's one of the fun parts of the business. Yeah, that's great, man. I appreciate that. Um, now for the last question, Bill, um, when all is said and done, um, what legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why? Well, I've, I can I can tell you that I've sold two billion dollars worth of stuff in the past thirty years. Okay, I guarantee you, there's something there's something um, that everyone, at least in the United States, out there, 
uh, everyone's bought something from me in the past 30 years, one thing or two things or five things. And I can guarantee you, and that's one thing that I'm very proud of, whatever you bought from me, the product does exactly what I say it does. And it's not, you know, it's, it's really a quality piece. And, um, and I, you know, our company's built around that. And that's why we're still around. People come back and buy things from us again and again and again. And know that if they don't like it, they can turn around and send it back. So what I like is the fact that I'm bringing good things. I think we're helping a lot of people with pain, especially in the last three years. And, um, you know, so that's, I'm very proud of that. And, you know, and I've never sold anything in 30 years that, that didn't do exactly what it said it did. So. Amazing. I thank you. I thank you for that. And, um, you know, you, you, you've got a heart to help people. You've got a heart to make sure that what you're putting out there is actually providing value to people. So, so I appreciate that. Um, well, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with me and Bill today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Uh, but more importantly, I hope that you got your hopes up that you are good enough to chase your dreams. I remember to head on over to businessjournals.com for all the show notes. Type in Bill in the search bar and all the show notes will appear with everything we talked about today. That's businessjournals.com. And to connect with Bill, you've got a good idea that you've you know researched a little bit and vetted. Um, go to topdogdirect.com and uh, reach out to Bill and his team. Um, Bill, thank you so much for being on the Business Journals podcast today and for sharing your story with us. We're absolutely grateful. You are a true business general. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being with you. Please uh, have me back. I'd love to. Hey, what's up, Business Journals family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Journals podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.